Although I'm getting a little bit better. I've been working at night lately, which I don't usually do because I just feel very sorry for myself at night. And I just get like really mopey. But I've been working like till like 1130. Whoa. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I'm not. I'm not a night person. Well, you found that there's actually a term for and for people like you. You're not a you're not a night owl and you're not a lark. Yes, you're I'm a hummingbird. <laughs> I, I like that. that. I have a lot of, I'm sitting in my office right now and like I often see hummingbirds right outside my window. So I'm like, yo. That's <laughs> why <laughs> so people. Yeah, my peeps. Podcast Junkies, we're back. Do you know what Podcast Junkies is? I like to call it the podcaster's voice. It's the show where we find interesting voices in podcasting and get them to kick back their heels and talk about their shows and whatever else is on their mind. We are up to episode 48. Yes, 48. And uh, today I speak to Vanessa Lowe. Vanessa is the host of Nocturne. If you don't know what Nocturne is, hmm, how do I describe Nocturne? It is ambient storytelling, maybe? (laughs) She's um, really creative, really creative, uh, really funny, um, talented, um, and other adjectives I could use which just don't come to mind right now. But um, I found out about her podcast because initially she reached out to me. I guess she was doing promo for the show. And I get occasional promos and I, you know, I literally do not have time. I have way too many shows on my podcast first hashtag first world problems but over um after a couple of weeks i think i i saw it um mentioned in a couple of places and i said wait i know that name and i I looked in my email and i just listened and i was fascinated um it's takes on the, the the topic of of uh nighttime um as its subject matter and each month is a new story with that as the theme and it covers the gamut you, you know, whatever you can think of from light pollution to strange goings on with animals and trucks and sleep disorders and <laughs> what have you. We cover all that in the interview. Um, another great ongoing conversation that covers all sorts of topics, um, and some of them not even related to podcasting. Imagine that. Enjoy the conversation. And uh, stay tuned at the end for the um, the local, the local, not the local, the loyal uh, fan hashtag listener retention thing. Listen for the end and I'll give you the hashtag. How about that? Enjoy my interview with Vanessa, Vanessa Lowe. So, Vanessa Lowe. Hey. Thank you for joining me on Podcast Junkies. Thank you so much for having me. <laughs> So, uh, any plans for the weekend? Um, the weekend. Yeah. Well, my, my husband's out of town, um, so I'm going to take my son to see Minions. Oh, yeah. My wife's been talking about that. She's like, oh, that looks so cute. we got to go see that. Yeah. I, I've seen uh, more animated movies in the past few years than I ever thought possible. <laughs> um, you like them, though, right? I like some of them. Some of them? Big Hero your... 6 was great. I have not seen that one. I liked it. Yeah. Yeah, that's one. Of, I like um, like up, up and away, and and uh, what was the one about the robot? He gets trapped on the planet. Robot trapped. Uh, oh, robot trapped on the planet. Yeah, it'll come to me. Yeah, I like Wally. The- Wally. Oh, Wally. Yeah, <laughs> on our planet, he got trapped on it. Yeah, yeah. No, our, our planet, <laughs> I liked uh, the Kung Fu Panda movies. Those are really good. Those are good too. I have to ask, what uh, what microphone is that? Oh, this is um, <laughs> it's a Sennheiser shot like short shotgun yeah but i um i have a big furry animal on it i see that <laughs> <laughs> it, it get, the people i'm interviewing are it's like always like ah <laughs> but um it's good it's good outside and stuff and you know it, it looks awesome it's let's see this is one of the benefits of doing skype video because otherwise i would not have known that you have this awesome looking mic in your house yeah my partner does sound for film so some of my, some, most of my gear is, is really basic, but some of my gear is like way over the top because he was just like way in the beginning. He's like, oh, get this. <laughs> it's like not recording for a film here, but it sounds good. So. 
Are you a gearhead as well? I'm not really a gear. No, I'm more of a Luddite. Oh, really? Kind of. I, I play, you know, I play guitar. I'm a musician sort of okay. originally. And I, I really like guitars. I like, cause, and I like acoustic guitars, wooden things that don't require fiddling with any electronic parts. So I can like take it anywhere and it's not going to crash or malfunction or beep at me. <laughs> Has uh, have any of your songs been released? Oh, yeah. I've got five CDs of original oh, nice. music and yeah. <laughs> I won't. I won't get you to sing on the on the interview. So don't worry. <laughs> I'm not prepared to sing. So where, so where are the interest in um, in radio? Where did that start? Um, it started about seven years ago. Um, I my son was little, and and there were some sort of parenting issues that I thought would be well explored through radio. So I did an hour-long documentary at that point and um, didn't know at all what I was doing, but I had a lot of fun doing it. And right around, like right after I finished that documentary, um, a really amazing experienced radio producer in Berkeley, um, I saw an, like a bulletin board announcement that she was doing this workshop on like how to produce long form documentary from start to finish. And I, um, I did her week weekend workshop and just like, fell in love and ended up working for her for two years on, on a big project that she was working on. And it's been nonstop ever since. And when the interest in podcasting? Um, just about a year and a half ago, I think. Um, I did a bit, I did a big, an hour long special with uh, another producer uh, called shake it, a modern Polaroid love story. And that was a big project. It took us like a year to do. And, and it got distributed all over public radio and it was really fun, but it was, it was like the third or fourth big documentary project I'd done that took a long time. And I was like, I, I don't really want to do that right away again. I, I liked the idea of like, I was like, you know, listening to podcasts and hearing more about podcasts. And I thought that would be like, it's a big project, but it's like, it cut into little chunks and that really appealed to me. Um, and so, yeah, that's kind of how I, I decided to do a podcast. And then I kind of thought for a little while, like, what do I want to do it about? And and landed on the night. <laughs> yeah, it's a fascinating, fascinating podcast. I heard your interview on Podcast Digest as well. Yeah. And uh, you talked about the Polaroid and the fact that there's a whole, uh, the Polaroid uh, documentary, and that there's still a community of people who've got Polaroids, have got their film, and, and there's a, a, a movement underway to actually restore recreate the film as well right yeah actually that's been going on for a few years now a company called the impossible project um and they actually they they re-engineered the film because the the chemicals are like banned by you know environmental protocols and stuff and and also the fact polaroid factory is mostly closed down but so they re-engineered polaroid film and it's been on like a trial by error process and my partner loves polaroid so he always buys their film and the first batch like I remember from years ago, our son was maybe three or four years old and he took a picture of him and then he was showing him and it developed and it was really cool. And then it just started disappearing and that picture went black and my son started crying because <laughs> it was like really scary. Um, it's gotten so much better now and they've got even really good um, black and white film and they have color and it's just, it, it's almost, almost there to what uh, original Polaroid film, like that magic, glowy, beautiful, rich color. There's something about the way you describe that that correlates to your podcast and how it's about night. And there, there's probably some some visual you can do about you taking the picture and then the picture slowly fades into night. It's and- true. That's true. Yeah, I've been thinking a lot. Actually, I've been thinking a lot about like the metaphors about nighttime and and darkness. That's not you know non literal darkness. And so yeah, it's very representative. So how would you describe the podcast to your grandmother? My grandmother. <laughs> well, first I'd have to talk about what a podcast is, and that would be a really long conversation. <laughs> um, I, I would tell her that uh, it's it's a podcast that explores the nighttime and how this. I would probably tell her my tagline, which is a uh, it's an exploration of the night and how thoughts, feelings, and behaviors are transformed in the dark. And then it's just I would tell her it's about. Um, you know, just how things change at nighttime and how people change and how different parts of the world and people's identities emerge when this other half of the 24 hours is here. And she would say, uh, Oh, that sounds really interesting, honey. 
<laughs> yeah, it's it's always fun. Well, I guess the podcast thing, notwithstanding, because for, like you said, that's the biggest hurdle, right? You just like what you do what? What? The like, fuck? what, you, <laughs> what oh wait, that? can I curse on this on your show? Yeah, you can. Okay. Yes, yes, definitely. <laughs> And then just be like, what the hell is that? Like, what's a podcast? Is that like a radio? And then and then and then you gotta describe that all the different varieties of podcasts, right? There's the interview show, there's the storytelling, there's the narrated drama and it's Oh, that would just be a pointless conversation. Yeah, no, but exactly. she does she understands that there are computers. And I actually for a while I they live in New York and I'm in the San Francisco Bay Area. Um and I, I sent them an iPad so we could FaceTime. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That worked for like a year and a half until the iPad needed to be updated, and they just that was couldn't handle that. But she just loved that, like being able to see us thing. So she like understands that there's this technology. So she might under like if I said radio and like through the computer, yeah, she probably understand it. <laughs> She's ninety six. Oh wow, good for her. Um, so how many different topics? did you go through before you landed on nighttime as uh, a subject for a the subject. podcast? Yeah. Um, trying to remember. Cause I, I really only thought about it for like a month before landing on nocturne. Uh, I, I don't think very many. And in fact, I'm having trouble remembering. And like, I, I vaguely remember my partner Kent being like, no, that sucks. That's a terrible idea. <laughs> but I don't remember like what the other ideas were because I just became so consumed in the night that I don't even remember what I was thinking about. I don't remember anything about my life before doing Nocturne. <laughs> well, what's funny about it, and you, you talk about it in the first, in the intro episode and then the first episode, is that you are not a creature of the night yourself. Not at all. Although I'm getting a little bit better. I've been working at night lately which I don't usually do because I just feel very sorry for myself at night and I just get like really mopey, but I've been working like till like 1130. Whoa. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I'm not, I'm not a night person. Well, you found that there's actually a term for, and for people like you, you're not a, you're not a night owl and you're not a lark. Yes. You're... I'm a hummingbird. <laughs> I, I like that. that. I have a lot of, I'm sitting in my office right now and like I often see hummingbirds right outside my window. So I'm like, yo, that's <laughs> my people yeah my peeps but is it true isn't it true that when you you land on a, a topic a subject or a topic or like for example when you buy a car like i have a prius and all of a sudden i notice like all the priuses in the neighborhood so now that this concept of like hummingbird is is like top of mind for you is, do you find that you just like notice them more no no i i always loved hummingbirds so it's like a uh, like a happy accident to find out okay. that i'm i'm one of them <laughs> And yeah, I'm like them in other ways too, because like I, I move fast. I actually move fast and I like <laughs> I knock into things and I, I like I always have black and blue marks all over my body, which I get teased about because like I'm always like moving really fast and like I, I like graze the doorway as I'm going through. Hummingbirds aren't like that. They just move fast and gracefully. Yeah. But yeah. <laughs> Very cool. How much time goes into uh, the preparation for each episode? Yeah, that's a good question. It, too much right now. <laughs> it really does. Like, because I'm perfectionistic and a little bit obsessive about it um because you know and it's hard to say too because like what so when i'm working on an episode well i just i just not i start i stopped transcribing interviews i hope that's over forever yeah. i was transcribing all my interviews which in a way is really good because you get really familiar with all the material when you're transcribing it and and i would like have a lot of ideas but it just sucks so bad to sit there for hours transcribing so that so hopefully i've cut like four or five hours out of each episode now but i would say like on average they're taking me seven to ten days to do pretty like intensively each day and then when an episode's over and that doesn't really include the interview so like when the episode's over then i'm like interviewing setting up lots and lots of interviews and doing lots of research and stuff so it's kind of like all the time but and then trying to fit other work in around that which is probably how it should be <laughs> what's because you can hear it in in the way they're put together i mean they're very layered and and it's almost conducive to having them or to listening to them on like headphones because it's just a more intimate experience it's especially with the with the subject matter that you've selected like in the in the second one with portal you know uh t tom yeah <laughs> <laughs> 
he's it, that one was very trippy because he starts talking about um, his visions and he didn't want to ascribe it to past life. I mean, for me, that stri- sounded straight out of like past life, past life regression stuff. Because he's because like where else would those visions come from? But um, what was funny is that Kent tries to make a conscious effort to like disorient us with the music too at the same time because because it was like this he was like the way when the character when the 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 guy you were interviewing time was talking about what he was experiencing there was like this i don't know it was like this funky violin stuff going on in the the background so i I thought that was really really cool cool i'm glad and do do you talk a lot back and forth about that what do you think would sound good or you just kind of put it in in his hands and like okay work your magic no i mean actually he doesn't he doesn't usually he's a lot of the music from him, I've t- I take from a library of his music. And every once in a while, I'll say, like, I'm looking for something like this, and he'll compose it. But I cut it in okay. wherever I, I wherever I want. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. Yeah, it's so just, he just, he doesn't, he doesn't really, like, know where it's going to end up. What's amazing is that you have that um, uh, great uh, library of music from which to select from. <laughs> yeah, it's really cool. And, and just, like, and also being able to say, like, I need something that sounds like stars. Or I need, you know, I need, I need this, and he can do that. And then, um, and then there's another, uh, a good friend of ours who's a, a musician, and they do a lot of music together, named Jeffrey Foster. And I've been using his music a lot too. And um, and then other, and then like I'm drawing from other people, but I think about Kent as the resident composer because he's sort of like the, he really his music is the mood of Nocturne. You're making a lot of podcasters jealous because they would love to have that library. I know I've of heard that from effects. people. <laughs> yeah, and then the sound effects are a whole other thing because since he does sound for film, he has a huge library of of film like sound effects. You know, like everything, like trucks and animals. And right now, he's actually he's at in the um, Olympic National Park wilderness in Washington State recording for a movie. So like, wow, you know can be like do you have a waterfall like at night with the sound of owls yeah <laughs> yeah sure no sure. problem well yeah speaking of animals the um what the baker saw was really like uh i don't know what the word is to describe i mean that that sound that the guy made when he was trying to describe what he had heard outside and I, i'm not going to try to recreate it I'll let people <laughs> listen, listen to that um, um i can't imagine like being him having heard you know that uh, i'm trying not to like tell the story because i want people to go listen to the episode but it's uh has to do with animals and and obviously night and you know some there might be some killing involved (laughs) 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 we'll leave it at that but it was what was funny is that um you commented on that episode uh something to the effect of like if you pay attention you'll notice the struggle all around you which which i thought was awesome right thanks yeah yeah uh, yeah, that's a trippy. I, my my son can't listen to that episode. It's scary. It's kind of scary. I, it I get, is. Like my heart raises when I and I went there to try to record, you know, ambience um, at night to have behind a lot of the stuff, um, and not as night, not as late as Eduardo was there when he was baking, because that's why why he was there. Yeah. And I, I I was like freaked out. It's really isolated. <laughs> Imagining like. Yeah, coming out and seeing something dramatic and violent and natural and wild. Yeah, and we'll leave it at that. We'll leave it at that. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, where do you where do you find these people? And, and I imagine it gets easier now as the as the show gets more and more popular. Yeah, um, yeah. The first couple of episodes were friends. Um, you know, one person, Tom. Uh, I was. Uh, I put out there, you know, we were, what are you doing? And I said, oh, I'm doing this podcast about the night. Oh, I have an idea for you. It's weird. And I don't know if you'll be able to do anything with it. It's like, yes. And then, you know, so, so, so the first we're friends. And then um, and like, there's the one alter hours, um, the nocturnal, brilliant nocturnal science writer, Amanda Gefter. Um, that, you know, I just started, I was at a conference, a radio conference in Chicago talking to another radio producer who lived in Boston. And talk, so I just started talking about Nocturne, like telling everybody I, I, could, I met, I'm doing this thing. And so it, in that case, um, the producer I was talking to said, oh, I have a nocturnal friend. And she just kept talking about something else. I was like, excuse me? <laughs> you know, it's like, just like trying to reel in anyone. And so I, I just talk about it to everyone. Now you're right. Like I get these emails. Next week I have five pre-interviews with people that contacted me after hearing Nocturne. Wow. And I'm, people are just, um, it's amazing. All these people that, you know, are really 
connecting and have these uh, incredible stories that just want to share them. I've been getting these like really long emails with lots of detailed information. And it's like, wow, let's record this. You might have to get a, a bigger team and release more frequently. Yeah. Yeah. That's something like that's in the works. Because there that's are there are a lot of stories. There's more. There are more stories than I even. I have a notebook full of stories, but then most of the ones I'm doing were are not in my notebook. So <laughs> there's a lot of stories. Yeah, Ultra Hours was interesting because I, I guess I didn't know there was a, a, such a thing as a sleep awake conversion. Mm -hmm. I didn't either. <laughs> yeah, I I got an email from someone recently who has the same thing. They had heard it. I didn't know there were other people like this. What's fascinating is that she said her circadian clock is closer to Mars. Yeah, because she has two, a couple of things going on. She has this, the sleep-wake inversion, and then she has this um, non-24-hour non circadian rhythm difference. So her, her internal clock thinks the day is 25 and a half hours, so, which means that the day is always shifting an hour and a half forward. I didn't, we didn't, I didn't include a lot of that stuff in the episode because it's really, really confusing. Yeah. Like I couldn't keep track of it all the time. But so like, you know, her, she just keeps shifting and moving around the clock. Um, but now, well, I don't want to talk too much about the details, but she's got kind of got that under control. But the cool thing, I, one of the cool things about Nocturne is that, you know, the, the, even the people that I don't, I didn't know before that I interviewed for the show, like we stayed in touch and um, she's, She's with a daytime, the daytime boyfriend. Like they're, they, yeah. that's actually, I think it's okay to say they moved in together. So it's, awesome. it's really nice. Yeah. It, it's, it's like when you watch those shows on TV and then and they say six months later. Exactly. And kind of <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I should do a follow-up. Apparently melatonin is a lifesaver. Melatonin is a lifesaver. Particularly, yeah. If you have sleep-wake inversion. I love how we are dancing around the periphery of the episodes because yeah. this, is, this is this is intentional because i want the listeners to just get a peek of of what the uh the podcast is about and if i mean if they're not uh enticed to listen after this interview then i don't know i don't know what's going to do it <laughs> so the 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 hole in the night then um I think it was just another case of like, where does she find these people? Because this guy's story was crazy. Like, um, and he was so matter of fact about it, you know, with what happened to him in his, his event in, in, in the night. And he just goes on like nothing had happened afterwards. I know. It's crazy, right? It's crazy. Yeah. It's, um, yeah, it's really fun to like realize how different people are. And like how, you know, people have these experiences that you would never imagine and they react to them in ways that you would never, ever imagine. <laughs> yeah, because you put anyone else in that situation and they're just like, uh, no, my life has changed permanently. I traumatized forever. <laughs> What's awesome is you know, it happens at, it happens uh, during, I think there's, there's rain, there's a rainstorm and you just really put the listener in in that moment you know with the sound effects and then and, and the rain like i said and it's just it, it's really engaging because you're just like you just stop what you're doing you just like feel like you're being transported to that moment in time thanks thanks yeah that was that was really a fun one to do because it's such a dramatic like again we're dancing around the episode this involves a truck driver out on a rainy night um in a remote part of oregon and something dramatic and and intense happens um, which you have to listen to the episode a hole in the night to to hear. Yeah, but like it was just it's the, one of the most interesting things about that episode to me is like this guy, this truck driver Al Wilkinson goes through this incredibly like horrendously dramatic event, and he's like, oh yeah, shit happens, like totally unfazed. <laughs> which to me is like one of the most interesting things. But that's like not that compelling. Like you don't you know so like for me the really like the part I wanted to emphasize was like the drama around what happens, and then it's even more interesting when he's just like, eh. You know, like sometimes, and it, and it was, and it wasn't just him. It was there's like a sequence of events that happens that you just like. I'm, I think I was walking to the store. I had to stop, and I was like, "Wait, there's more, and then more, <laughs> right?" And, and other people are affected. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But he's just kind of like, and you know, often in a story, like your whole your whole goal is to like, you know, how has the person changed? How what what did they? How did they grow? What did they learn? And um, you know, and like, the reality is sometimes things happen that are really dramatic and. And like you don't learn or grow necessarily, you just like go on with your life, and that's interesting too. Like I think that's super interesting. Yeah, it's 
it's almost like a, a fascinating experiment in character study. And I, as you get deeper and deeper with these stories, I'm sure that's what you're going to find. Yeah, yeah, I think so. Yeah, I don't, I don't know what to say about that except um, it's like a combination of character, yeah, character study, and then just like an other, another aspect of people's characters that they don't necessarily show all the time. How much, how much work is is involved on your part to sort of tease these stories out? Are these people just ready to like spill the beans with you? They're like, oh yeah, or or do you have to figure out if there's a story there? I have to usually figure out if there's a story. I do a pre-interview with people on the phone where, you know, I want to hear their voice and like, yeah, <laughs> that's important. And just, yeah. you know, and also just how really open do they sound about the story? Cause that's, you know, but usually if like someone is willing to talk to me and most people are just like really wanting to talk about stuff. Um, and then I do a lot of work editorially, you know, I, with kind of shaping the story. And that's, and I, there's, you know, a fair amount of narration. Like some people do non-narrated um, pieces of this kind, but I tend to really like to sort of build something really like uh, cohesive, which isn't to say that non-narrated stories aren't cohesive because that's a huge, amazing skill to have. But I'm so compulsive <laughs> that I like to like, not necessarily sum things up, but just sort of build it and shape it. Um, you know, you cutting cutting the interview up and then also just kind of um, adding to it with sound and narration and music and all that. And then do they um, give you feedback after they, they've listened to the episode? Almost ever. I think everybody, well, everybody that has been in touch with me afterwards has really, really liked stuff. And then some people ha haven't, um, mostly sort of not the main interviewee, but a couple of the sort of, ant I don't want to call them ancillary, but have just haven't <laughs> responded. Um, but that, you know, probably has more to do with maybe they were a city official talking about something that they weren't so happy to be talking about. Maybe the guy, maybe the guy who's not so fond, not so fond of mockingbirds. No, he actually got <laughs> back in touch with me. Uh, and that was really interesting. Actually, that was so much fun talking about kind of, um, people's characters emerging. So I've, I've stayed in touch with the, so this is an episode called, um, this is not a love song. And it's about the effect of mockingbirds on people at night, positive and negative. And in that story, there's a woman who runs birdwatching.com and loves birds and actually thinks birds teaching people to appreciate birds will help people like save the world through people saving the environment. So she's just like, you know, a lovely kind of zealot about birds. And then, and then there's uh, Todd who, was plagued by mockingbirds and became kind of violent in his reaction. So um, he got back in touch with me and said, after listening, you know, I really liked the episode. He was a little bit, you know, <laughs> uncomfortable with like one of the characters thinking he was evil, but, but he said, you know, that, that Diane woman, the, the mockingbird.com woman, she's a really uh, smart cookie. I, it never occurred to me to listen to the mockingbird to like, rather than to fight against, the sound all night long. And so that was neat. And then, and then I got to tell her that, and she was so happy to have sort of, you know, opened his eyes to yeah. a bird. <laughs> so it's, it's actually neat to kind of see the aftermath of, and the effect a little bit of, of some of these episodes on people. What's funny is that he said he never took the time to listen. If he wasn't listening to the mockingbird, what was, what was so that's the thing? On? Like Diane's advice was don't fight against it, don't put a pillow over your head, don't put earplugs in, don't try to get the mockingbird to stop, or don't try to get yourself not to hear this thing. Her whole advice was listen to the sound, hear how many times it makes the same sound over and over and over again, and like appreciate it. And your our role, our goal in life is not to be asleep, it's to experience life. So that's her thing, you know. And he was just like doing anything he could to make it stop. So basically, you know, he had never really thought of kind of the meditative experiential possibilities of dealing with the mockingbird. Like he never thought of letting go and not fighting it. And then after hearing the episode, he was like, oh, I mean, I could have tried that. So you're changing lives. Yeah, exactly. Nocturne is just changing <laughs> lives one episode at a time. One mockingbird at a time. <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, the, the Vanishing Dark, which is sort of it's almost uh very appropriate and that you would have this topic on because it 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 brings to light um 
what everyone should be aware of the fact that we're losing the night sky and that's something that we take for granted and I I'm only aware of it when I go like outside the city like we went to Death Valley last year and then really you really have to get away from the city lights to really real you know uh, appreciate the beauty of the night sky yeah it's true um, I went to Death Valley a few months ago trying oh, cool. to trying to see the Milky Way because I, I realized I'd never seen it and unfortunately I still didn't get to see it but yeah but like when you truly are in a dark place and you're swallowed up by the stars and the sky it's just like this incredibly transformative magical experience and um and it's like so watered down when you live in an urban area it's incredible and uh yeah there's and so that was a, a, a fun episode to do that was a challenging episode because you know this issue of light pollution like it was kind of the most research heavy episode i'd done and i also felt really compelled to like try to stuff as much information as i could in because it's so important it's and so like not really people aren't that aware of it Although there was one review on iTunes of a guy being like, this is old news. What the fuck? Um, but most people actually that I talk to like are just kind of starting to think about light pollution. Um, but it's not, it's not like your podcast is a new show. I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I should have a thicker like, skin. Hello, I do have a thick skin. Pollution. It's okay. It's every, you, get to, you get to have whatever feelings you have. Um, yeah. But yeah. So it's... Um, it was super fascinating, and, and it was really a fortuitous episode because I had interviewed this um, author, Paul Bogard, who wrote a book. I interviewed him a couple of months ago about his book. Um, he's got two books. This is called The End of Night, where he talks about the issue of light pollution. And then I, I came across this thing that's happening in Richmond, California, just like two towns over from me, um, where the city just kind of like randomly in, like, doubled the lighting fixtures outside in this little historic part of Richmond called Point Richmond. And the, and the residents just went, went nuts. Like all of a sudden they were living in a massive parking lot, just like bathed in bright lights. And, uh, and then like the struggle, you know, the, the struggle and challenge and, and process of fixing that. It's really fascinating to see how, you know, there's so many issues involved with light pollution. I could, the whole, whole rest of the interview could be about this. <laughs> <laughs> So now I'm going to get a review on, on this episode. Guys, this is an old topic. We keep talking about this. <laughs> so then finally, it's, um, you know, getting you current with your episodes. Um, you did a little bit of this in the beginning where you stepped outside and, and you walked around uh, in the night, I guess, t to get a feel for what you were about to get yourself yeah. into. But now and then with uh, episode eight, uh, Into, Under, and Through, you, you actually jump with both feet <laughs> into it um yeah and it's just fascinating to hear like your your fear <laughs> mm -hmm. i know, I know your, email, uh, you're like your... that was funny <laughs> yeah well, well now, that funny. It, now that you made it out safe then we can say that thanks like if the, if it had been like some sort of blair witch project thing <laughs> where it was just like vanessa's last recording so could have easily gone that direction yeah, it's like found on the beach and then just like it would have been like, wow, like, you know, this is and people would have been like going crazy about it as well. I'm it, sure. Yeah, but, then it, it would have been really popular. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so what uh, at some point, I guess you felt, well, I keep talking about the night and I and I it's I've documented how uncomfortable I am with the night. So you almost had to put that to tape. Well, yeah, I mean, I didn't actually know how uncomfortable I was going to be. <laughs> I didn't think I was going to be quite as uncomfortable. I don't want to say too much, but uh yeah, I just feel like, so I have other episodes kind of coming up about being out at night and women being out at night and and being out at night in the dark, in the woods, for me sort of typifies like the essence of night. At first I, I was saying to Kent, uh, you know, I should go out and take a walk at night, uh, maybe like around our neighborhood. He was like, what? Our neighborhood? You know, like, here's this guy. He's like, you know, six feet. Like, to him, that's just so fucking lame. Um, and then I was like, well, I could go up to the Berkeley Hills. But actually, like, people have been killed there over the past couple of years. So that's really stupid. Yeah. So then uh, he and he, I was kind of on my own for a weekend. And I was like, okay, well, I'll go for a walk in the woods. And I, I just imagined that, you know, I would look at the stars and have a sort of um, 
you know, connection to the universe kind of thing. <laughs> how that how that how how that worked out? How that worked out? I I briefly had that experience. Yeah, I, more more. What I, this episode was interesting for me as I continue to think about it after having done it. Like the the night is like a blank slate for lots of things, you know, for like fears or for me, like particularly I'm realizing like I'm pretty susceptible to scary ideas and, and messages. And so I, I think you can just like find, a, you can find a lot of information about what you're scared of or what you're anxious about just by walking into the night. Cause really like in most cases, it's not that dangerous is what I'm finding, <laughs> but you can really find all the places your mind goes to find the danger. What was the most surprising thing for you? About this episode? Yeah. What continues to be the most surprising thing for me is I still can't figure out, like I still vacillate between thinking, oh my God, like I'm such a chicken shit, you know, like walking into, like, cause I go to this place all the time during the day. Like I still feel really lame about freaking out so much. And then at the, and then at this, I vacillate to like feeling like, oh, that was really foolish. You know, like when I talk to some people at the end of the episode and they're like, particularly this park ranger who's like, why would you need to go out at night in the woods? I'm like, oh, and so the, the most surprising thing to me is like, even now it's been a couple of weeks since I finished making the episode. I, I released it just, you know, earlier this week. I still can't come to a, a settled place about what that was all about. <laughs> That's so that's I mean, to me that that's awesome, actually, because it means, wow, the night like I, I'm I've got so much more to figure out and work on and like explore because it's rich. It's really <laughs> incredible. Well, it's a unique opportunity because as the producer, you were able to almost insert yourself into the story. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, yeah, for the most part. Yeah, it's kind of, it was kind of funny, actually. Like, there I am experiencing something, and then I'm narrating over what I'm experiencing it. Have you ever seen Adaptation? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so it's kind of like that, right? Oh, my God, Charlie I didn't Co think about that. Charlie Kaufman, and he's, like, writing a movie about a, about a guy writing a movie, and then he puts himself in the movie, and then and then he, he's in the movie, and it was, like, so trippy. It's kind of got, That's so like, weird. a... Yeah, and the, Kent mix, actually mixed that movie. No way. Yeah. Yeah, that's so awesome. that's funny that you mentioned that, and I didn't even think of it. It's Charlie Kaufman, he yeah, he trips me out. So you're the Charlie Kaufman of podcasts. Oh, don't say that. <laughs> I mean, I respect his work, but I do not want to be him. So it was. I mean, it, the, that episode had. I mean, it was definitely coming because you had to sort of come to grips with where you were at this point in the the journey. And so, what what's uh without giving away too much what do you have in the works for the next couple of episodes um the next couple of well the, the next many episodes don't involve me <laughs> so there's that um i have an episode uh coming up about a woman who is the opposite of me who for the past four years has been traveling around the world um by herself particularly with the um, the love of walking at night and documenting her walks at night alone in foreign countries and remote places wow. and kind of um, what propels her to do that. So that's really interesting. And then I have an episode coming up about 3 a.m. And the, the madness that can ensue when one uh, awakens with where your brain can be at 3 a.m. And, and like, the distinct quality of thoughts that is different from daytime thoughts. I, I don't want to say too much about it, but <clears throat> but it's interesting. It's a it's a really like a different reality that can happen. Is that a function of not getting any sleep? No, actually, it's not. And I, in fact, I interview a, um, a like a neuroscientist about. So there's a there's an actual interview subject who's talking about her experience, and then there's like I wanted to talk to a professional about like what is the mechanism like why because I, I i've experienced this thing of like you wake up at 3 a.m and you weren't worried about anything during the day like you didn't have any cares and there's nothing going on that's particularly stressful and you wake up at 3 a.m suddenly it's like oh my god like things are dire this is awful i don't know like and and like a part of your brain is going nothing's wrong but you just feel uneasy and uncomfortable and then 
like six o'clock in the morning rolls around and you can't even remember what it was that you were freaking out about, but you remember you freaked out about something like you're looking right now. I can see you, but the listeners can't, but you're looking very confused and skeptical. Like you've never experienced this. No, it's almost a function of <laughs> um, waking up mid dream or something like that. And something then there's, a, like there, that. there's something about the, yeah. the dream world interfacing with your real world and and there's a point when you wake up and you don't know which is which something like that yeah yeah or um something about memories or like the yeah emotional kind of quality of a certain place in your sleep cycle that maybe then if when you wake up from that it's like you're yeah it's it's a just a different filter um is there um an aspect of the show where you you just might naturally go into like lucid dreaming or the yeah. new dreams. I, I imagine there's, yeah. I mean, since it happens at night that there's some opportunities for that. Yeah. Yeah. No, I actually have been in contact with somebody about that topic. Um, definitely. And uh, there's all sorts of weird things that happen to people when they're sleeping. <laughs> it, that's like so strange, right? Like yeah. you're unconscious things, and mostly immobile and like freaky, amazing shit can happen. The worst is the that one where you you feel paralyzed and you can't move and there's like someone coming to like do something to you and you can't lift your your, your arm feels like it's like attached to the floor and you can't lift it up and they're getting closer and I was like I let out a scream the other like a couple of weeks ago and like totally freaked my wife out I was like what and that happens like, what? to you <laughs> yeah really? I've I, I've never had that happen thank God I've never had that happen I do it's... have the one where um you're you're you're, have you been dreaming and you wake up and you go about your mundane tasks and then you realize you're still dreaming and then you wake up and then you realize you're, and then you realize you're dreaming and like, and then like, how do you wake yourself up? And then I have to like, you know, like shake myself to wake up. That's, I don't like that one. That one, I, I, for some reason, I thought that only happened in the movies, like Freddy Krueger, like when they, like the girl would wake up and she'd be like, oh, I'm, I'm a, oh my God, I think I was a dream. And then Freddy like, attacks her and she's like she wakes, she wakes up again <laughs> yeah luckily i've never had like a scary guy wearing a mask with big long claws in the, but now i probably will <laughs> well that's the thing right like um we're really vulnerable at night oh, yeah. like psychologically not necessarily physically like it's really what's the difference at night like there's less light you know and maybe some nocturnal animals are out but we're really we're not physically more vulnerable, but like psychologically and emotionally, it there's something so different and so, um, I don't know, like intense and like uh, just more poignant about how we're interacting with the world. Like we're more raw, we're more undefended. At least, at least I am. <laughs> no, I mean, I. A lot of people seem to. It is, it is an, a, a time when we retreat to like the security of our bedrooms and, you know, we think, okay, now we're in a safe and secure and, and I see it like with my, my dog sometimes, like when, when he wants to go, like when he wants to be somewhere safe, he goes underneath the couch or, <laughs> or he goes on underneath the bed or he jumps into bed with us. And, you know, we, we as a species, you know, have that too. Like, okay, we feel like at the end of the day, like the our last bastion of like peace and serenity supposedly is like our our beds right right yeah well that's true i mean it's just so nice to like not do anything <laughs> although lots of stuff is happening when you're sleeping and like you are doing stuff right it's like restorative rebuilding yeah restorative is probably the most important thing and i think i probably don't get the the requisite seven or eight hours and i think that people say you notice it the next day when you're you're you can't function um i went to my wife and i went to burning man for the first time last year and oh, cool. we, so we had a couple of nights where we just didn't you know we didn't go to sleep so yeah. we would just we saw like two or three sunrises and it's a magical time i mean that to you know when you're just like we you know the one 2 a.m. and then you start to get into 3, 4, 5 and, and you just literally just see the whole cycle of like sundown. Yeah. Com complete dark, not complete darkness. There was <laughs> some music and some DJs. In there were some like, um, <laughs> like lighted vehicles being cycled around, I'm sure. <laughs> yeah. And then, uh, but then there's a point where everyone's sort of like lets out a collective sigh and just like, ah, like we made it through another night. Right. And that's like, we get to watch the sunrise, which is magical. That's so cool. I don't think I've, 
ever, ever stayed up a whole 24-hour period. Really? No. I get so tired. <laughs> but, I, but I think that's going to be like, I'm going to have to do that, right? It's, it's research, yeah. Going to have to do it, <laughs> yeah. I, did, I, did you do it without substances? That's a no personal, but you can say, I, I don't want to answer on the grounds that I don't want to you, you, Well, you can, obviously. It'd probably be harder. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, coffee, I, I use coffee just like for my daytime alertness. So I would have to drink like a lot of coffee. I, I went out, I remember I was a, a waiter years ago and uh, we would, we went out and I had a shift the next day and so was like, everyone's like, oh, let's go to the bar. So we just proceeded to go to the bar and, you know, waiters and bartenders, they all get out late and it, we, we went to the bar and it was, um, you know, three, four four or five a.m. I don't know what it was. And and I had for some reason like, oh at some point you were drinking, and you're like, oh my shift is at seven. I don't care. I'll just go straight there. And I think maybe I tried to nap for like half an hour. But then <laughs> when you get to work and there's some aspect of you not having slept, you it's it's so weird. You're so disoriented. You yeah. just, you know, you're you know, I don't know how else to describe it. And it's like this in this dizzy state of mind. And it's like, you can't last that long right. in that condition. But it's it's funny what uh, even just one night of no sleep will do to you. You're actually, you just jogged my memory. And I, so I lied. Like, I remember one night I did stay up all night when I was in high school. And I, I grew up in New York City. And I remember like partying all night. <laughs> and then like, um, the reason I remember is because the diners were open all day, like all night, 24 hours and going to have, you know, like, breakfast in the middle of the night and then dinner like i just remember like the continuous meals and i'm remembering that feeling of it's almost like um like a deep meditation kind of like you're yeah. like a transcendent thing like you're so it almost feels like ultimate relaxation when really it's just massive exhaustion right like but you, it's it, waves it's this calmness that's like right before you collapse <laughs> we're in the i grew up in the city in new york city as well in new york as well yeah oh, okay. uh i'm in we're in la now but a year a little over a year ago, we moved. We were living in the East Village, but I grew up in Yonkers. Okay, yeah, I was born in the Bronx in Riverdale, oh, cool. and then I grew up on like nine, well, on Upper East Side and then the Upper West Side. So, I lived in eighty uh, third and third. I lived on ninety second between third and Lex, <laughs> and then eighty first and Columbus. <laughs> so we probably frequented the same bars. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> how how was growing up in New York? It was great. It was really fun. I had like, you know, I was, <laughs> my parents were divorced and like, I, you know, had a lot of freedom and it was really fun and I had a fake ID and that was like the time I I'm dating myself here, like Dan Soteria and Limelight and Studio 54 was still kind of going and um, all sorts of mischief and misbehavior looking back. I'm like, oh my God, I can't believe I'm still alive. And I have a kid now and I'm thinking, how do people raise kids in New York City? Like, I don't, my, my parents were either, they really trusted me or they were just kind of completely checked out. <laughs> That's so funny. You're jogging memories totally with those clubs, Danceteria, Palladium. Oh, Palladium, uh, yeah. <laughs> Limelight. Yeah. I, I was just talking church. to someone about that as well. Those are, um, I mean, talk about nightlife. I, I think you've got to find someone who can kind of tell those stories like New York nightlife back in those days because it was just like a crazy time. Um, and it's almost like one part of the city goes to sleep and then this other part of the city wakes up and it's yeah. just like they're completely different people. Like it's like a whole nother tribe is like waking up and like, okay, time for us to take over the city. Yeah, right. Is, and be silly. <laughs> It's, and then, then then you'd have the after hours club. There was one called Save the Robots. I don't know if you no. had heard of that. So no, was, I would never have been in an after hours club. <laughs> you're a respectable young lady. <laughs> so we they, we used to hang out at Lucy's on the Upper West Side. It's a they called they called it the Retired Surfers Bar. But, uh -huh. uh, it was on Columbus. And there was and then there was one time where like, do you want to go to after hours? And I'm like, whoa, okay, what's that? It's like, oh, it's, the party keeps going. Uh -huh. This part, you know, this closes at two or three, and then we go. So it was in the East Village, and we go down there, and uh, they were like serving drinks out of like milk cartons with the tops cut off, and it was just so weird. <laughs> oh, memories, childhood. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so there's, I mean, I would think there's an, there's an aspect of an upcoming episode of Nocturne that will probably delve into city nightlife somewhere 
Yeah, yeah, maybe. I, you know, that's going to be a push. Yeah, that's going to be a push for me. I always had a problem with city nightlife. Just in like in the, I liked dancing, but I still, even when I was a kid, like <laughs> I just other people seem to be able to have conversations in those settings, and I just could like never. Not only could I could I not hear people, but I could never focus on anybody because it was like noisy and there was so much going on that I and that would be exhausting. Like I would get really tired. Um, so that would be that's going to be a push for me to do that. Plus, it's you know recording in those environments. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's like why? What's, what's the point? <laughs> the craziest thing I've ever seen, or, yeah, I saw was we were at a club. I think it was um, Pacha or something. This was maybe 10 years ago, and there was a group of people dancing, and upon closer inspection, it became obvious that these people were deaf. Oh, so dancing by the vibration? So they were dancing, and they were just like going by the vibration of the music. And and then, because, oh, well, obviously, because I started, the more you looked at them, then they started doing sign language to each other. And I was like, wait a minute. Wow. I was like, these people are deaf. And, but they were, it was just, enough vibration with like the base of the speakers for them to go enjoy which i thought was like oh my god so fascinating that is really cool yeah i mean because it was like the the sub would like thump and you really feel it in your body that reminds me of i don't know what it's called you probably do they're they're like this phenomenon now where people put on headphones and like so you're dancing but you're dancing to music that only like everybody's dancing but only they can hear it in their headphones Silent parties. Silent parties. So it's like everybody listening to the same music or? Yeah. So what happens is the these are for places where you can't play music loud after a certain period of time. Oh, okay. So I've, I've gone to like parties or festivals and they have this as a, as a separate area. And it's, it's great because the DJ's playing the music. So you have got the music very, very intimately close to you because you've got headphones like the ones we're wearing now. So the music sounds fantastic. Yeah. And then the DJ's playing and... <laughs> But this, the weirdest thing is to ever, like, if you ever go into these places and you don't have the headphones that everyone else does, because everyone is just like, there's just like, you know, and I'm, I'm actually showing Vanessa for, for the listeners. That <laughs> and it's I'm really entertaining. On camera. So that if you're wondering why there's like these five seconds of silence, it's me dancing. Yeah, it's because Harry's but, dancing. So, <laughs> so, yeah, they're just like dancing and, and, and then... And you can, they're all hearing the same music because there's points in the music where they're just like, oh, they all like raise their hands and there's like. That's cool. And I was like, and, but it's great because you're not disturbing like the neighbors yeah. and uh, it's fun. And then someone lent me their, their head, headphones and I put them on and it was just like you were in the party because everyone's like yeah. the person looking at, we're hearing the same song. We're like, yeah. I think it could be cool to have, here's like a, like a, like a mix party going on. So maybe you have three different groups and they're all listening, like each three of the three different groups are listening to different music, but they could either be in sync with each other. So they're all dancing to the same beat, or you could have three different groups dancing to like different rhythms. And that yeah. could be kind of cool or jarring. Also, depending Probably. on like how, if you're really, if your consciousness is altered, it could really mess with you. <laughs> <laughs> Air quotes. So, uh, well, I don't know where we go from here. <laughs> <laughs> We've really, really kind of diverged, haven't we, from all sorts of things. So, um, when you think about um, what's happening with this podcast renaissance, wh- was that something that was like a a driving force for you to to think that you wanted to do something, or you just always knew you were gonna? put together some sort of program no i just got the idea for my own to do my own podcast like you know maybe a year and a half two years ago um and it more it, it it's cool that there's a renaissance i think there's a <laughs> they say there's a renaissance um but no like that wasn't really because you know i didn't know what this is going to turn out to be like at all and if it was going to be well received or not um more it just felt like a cool project to do and something that wouldn't be boring for me <laughs> you know like that's a big deal that's a big deal like if you're gonna do i like doing longer projects i don't really like occasionally I like doing like a short piece that's four minutes but i like doing longer projects that i can immerse myself in but if you're gonna do a long project it's got to be something that's really interesting otherwise it gets really tedious so um I just like the idea of doing kind of a series about so you could get deeper into a topic without having to like also it's like doing a really long I'm like 
rambling. It's been doing a really long project, but like in little chapters. So it makes it even more personally interesting, interesting to me, um, which is what it's all about. <laughs> no, really. No, but really, like, you know, why would you do a big project unless you really have fun and you're really enjoying yeah. it? And that's, and then it's a really great bonus that other people like it too. <laughs> How has, what's the reception been? It's been really good. It's been really good. It's kind of, I don't want to say shocking. <laughs> it's not shocking, but it's like, it's just been really um, lovely. I get all these emails and tweets and um, and iTunes reviews, and it's just been really nice. And and just really fascinating, because like I've had a lot of people um, contact me and say, um, I have a special connection to the night, and I really connect to Nocturne and the vibe, and 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 it's like, wow, like I'm not a night person, although I do appreciate non-literal darkness and maybe that's why like because they're like recognizing something about the night in these pieces i'm trying to create something that like is about the night but it's wild to me that so many people that are night people are going like yeah that's that's night you know and because i don't really <laughs> know that much about the night like i'm just learning it's interesting yeah um the herd the herd yeah the herd's awesome yeah. How did you, whose idea was that to put that? Uh, the Herd is, so The Herd is the, you want to describe The Herd? The Herd is a, an awesome independent podcast collective. Um, it was started by, the idea was, was Jacob Lewis's, and he has a podcast called Neighbors. And um, the origin story is documented elsewhere. But, but he, um, he, wanted, he wanted community and, and like support and, you know, he was looking for something. Um, and so he reached out first to Jonathan Hirsch of a podcast called Arrivals about this idea of starting a collective. And then um, and then they reached out to me. And then I reached out to a couple people. And right now there are six of us, which feels really good right now. It's like a really good number. There are six podcasts. They're, we're all independent. We're all story-driven. Um, did, did you guys know each other before? None of us have had ever met. Wow. So now some of us have met various of different, you know, like on different trips and stuff. No, we're scattered all over North America. Every week we have a Skype conversation, so our meeting, and then we communicate every day through this thing called Slack. Which oh, I, I love Slack. I, Slack is like, oh my God, yeah. Slack is like my other home now. Slack's um, awesome. Yeah. So, so the herd is like, we're, we tell these, we do all these storytelling podcasts and we all um, like each other's shows and it turns out, like we all really like each other and we um we support each other creatively we spread the word about each other's shows but like you know different people will compose music for different people's episodes we do editorial support we um we've done tape syncs for each other which is a kind of a people don't think about like everything it takes to make a podcast or an audio show like all the technical details that cost money or are hard to come by or the expertise or the institutional knowledge and so like we offer all that to each other um, and it's just great. And then, and then the, the, the creative community, like we just, and we crack each other up, which is fun, you know, cause when you're doing a podcast, you know, like we're both sitting here in our own little rooms with our headphones on and like, you can go days, you can get like really super smelly and, you know, have to pee really bad and like not brush your teeth. And you're like this like hermetically sealed person making something It can get kind of freaky and lonely. And so it's fantastic to have this community of other people that are doing a similar thing. That's the herd, the herdradio.com. You can find out all about all the, it's, um, can I tell you who the podcasts? Yes, please. <laughs> Cause they're great. Um, so there's neighbors by Jacob Lewis. And then there's anxious machine by Rob McGinley Myers, which is a story about, well, neighbors is kind of self evident. Like it's about people, how neighbors affect each other. And it's about peeping toms. <laughs> right now. Well, I guess you could do. Um, Anxious Machine is Rob's show about uh, technology that humans create and how it affects human beings. Jonathan Hirsch has Arrivals, which is stories about migration and change and transformation. Um, Marlo Mack has a, a podcast called How to Be a Girl, which is super interesting about um, raising a transgendered child. And then Tally Abacasis has, I think I'm saying her name right. Um, she has a show called First Day Back, which is about after having kids, um, going back to her work as a filmmaker, a documentary filmmaker. Super. But all these shows are really well produced and really um, compelling story driven shows. What's fascinating is that 
You guys didn't know each other. I, I, yeah. I, I, th- I thought for some reason that you did. And I think that's just so cool that like-minded souls tend to gravitate towards each other. Yeah. It's kind of like one of those weird synchronistic things, you know, and, and, uh, and we all, you know, we were like, we get together on these calls every week and, you know, sometimes we'll do you know cheesy things like, oh, you know, everybody close your eyes and just like take a couple of breaths. And it's just like, wow, we feel so um, close to each other at this point. It's kind of like this, you know, it's, it's almost ridiculous how much we like each other <laughs> and having never met beforehand. Yeah, yeah, I would like wow. almost consider these guys like some of my best, best friends at this point. Like they know more about me and a certain part of me than like anybody else does. So. So you mentioned the story of the the herd was covered elsewhere. Is that on a podcast episode? No, um, there um, th- there was an interview that Jacob did with uh, Rich Halton for irrelevant dot com or dot org. I think I'm not sure what the thing is, um, but so yeah, he went over the whole like he was so, on yeah, a, if, he was on a bus. On... He was on a bus sitting next to a unsavory, <laughs> unsavory person, I guess, and. It's a whole. There's a, there's a whole context. Yeah. If there's a a link on just uh, somewhere online, where folks can listen to it. Just send it to me, and okay, I'll I'll put it in the show notes. The origin story. Yeah, it's, I'll do it's that. important. It's important. Yeah, yeah. It's cool. It's cool. Um, and it's just neat to like different. It's such like you were saying, you know, this renaissance mm-hmm. of podcasting, and and it's such a, like a wide open thing. All these, you know, there's different models. There's this is like the, in, it's not, you know, we're not like super, we all want to make money, obviously, but it's like, so not that thing of, it's not a business model so much as a creative model. We were like riffing on what, what indie record label are we like? And can't remember if it was like Killer Rock Stars or Sub Pop that we landed on, but like, we're like, we're like the Sub Pop of podcasting. <laughs> Sounds like you guys can take that show on the road. Right. <laughs> yeah, coming soon. Stranger Things. I mean, like the moth, right? Yeah. Never yeah. know. Yeah, actually, um, Jonathan of Arrivals has a live show that's going around the country, and he's coming to San Francisco, and we're I'll be collaborating. Very cool. That, yeah, that's the other thing we do is we're collaborative projects. Cool. Yeah. Well, Vanessa, this has been a really fascinating conversation. <laughs> it's been a lot of fun. <laughs> And uh, you're really easy to talk to, and uh, I think people can get a good feel for um, your narrative style, hopefully as a result of this podcast. And and if they're not listening to Nocturne already, then they'll be uh, incented to. Thank you so much. This is fun. So if uh, folks want to track you down online, what's the, 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 the best place? Nocturnepodcast.org. Okay. Yeah, with an E at the end, nocturne with an E at the end. So one one thing I've been doing lately is I, I put in um, sort of like a, a loyal listener hashtag. Uh huh. I'm trying to think what it would be for this episode. So maybe you can help me think of one that would be specific to something we talked about. Like what is that? A loyal it's listener? Just a, no. So it's a, basically, I what I do is I say if you made it this far, just uh, send a tweet to oh. Vanessa and I, and they, with the hashtag blah blah. blah. Uh. Hummingbirds, uh, maybe hummingbirds. Okay, <laughs> hummingbirds with headphones. <laughs> hummingbirds with two H's. No, just no, I don't want to confuse people. Yeah. Hashtag hummingbirds. If you've made it this far and uh, you've got nothing else better to do with your day than listen to us ramble for over an hour now. <laughs> we can go longer. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, I'm I'm glad you reached out to me, Vanessa. I'm 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 a fan. Uh, I'm looking forward to your your next episode, and I'm wishing you guys nothing but the best. And hopefully, we'll get to meet up at some point. Yeah, that'd be great. <laughs> Thanks a lot. Take care. I hope you enjoyed that. As usual, we covered a wide range of topics, as is uh, par for the course for podcast junkies and for podcast junkies. Junkies, wink, wink. You know who you are. Uh, this show, the music is, uh, composed by Cedar in Soil, and I want to make sure I call them out every episode and, and give them credit. Um, good friend of mine, go to cedarsoil.com for more music and you can find out just how amazingly talented, uh, he is. He's a good friend of mine and he's been a supporter of the show since day zero. So I want to show him some love. Um, 
Vanessa is awesome. Um, I don't know what else to say. I think you can tell that we had uh, a fun conversation and um, I'm just fascinated by these storytelling type shows and her stands out. I'm almost afraid to go check out the rest of the the podcasts in the herd. I'm afraid I might like them too much. It's already bad enough that I listen at 2x for a lot of these shows. Um, I might have to find a podcast player that plays at 3x. It's just so much good stuff out there. And I, and I know you'll agree. And the fact that you're listening to my words right now means that you think um, this, epi- this episode and this podcast is worthy of your time which I sincerely appreciate. Um, I can't tell you how much it means to me that you, you listen week in and week out, loyal folks that you are. Um, and I just look to continue to grow the fan base. So if you like the show and you like who I'm talking to and you, and you like the format and you like me, <laughs> then uh, tell a friend. There used to be a commercial called Phone a Friend. I forgot what that's for, but that just suddenly popped into my mind. If you want to sign up for the newsletter, text 33444 and text the word podcast junkies, all one word, and you'll get signed up right away. Um, I think that's it, right? So many things to talk about as usual. Readings and reviews, podcastjunkies.com slash iTunes. They are the lifeblood of this show. And... Um, we recently showed up in What's Hot in Business in iTunes, which was a nice surprise. No one understands how that freaking algorithm works, but uh, when stuff like that happens, it's cool. So take care, guys. Have a fantastic week. Mm-hmm.